Amazing. Awesome. How many of you guys are happy to be in the house of God tonight? Man, I'm excited. Thank you for coming out. Sunday afternoon, it's football season, but Jesus is better than the pigskin. Am I right? Can I get two good amens? Right? So we need to pray and intercede. That's what we're going to do for the rest of this, um, of this service for the Titans. So uh, we're going to have the worship team come back up here. They need some help this year. I don't even watch the Titans, but I want to like the Titans because I'm a Nashvillian now. I've lived here for five years, so I want to like them, but I'm also a Vikings fan. Sorry about that, Philip, but Vikings fan. Uh, man, guys, I'm excited uh, about a few things. You guys saw in the announcements. I want to remind you of it real quick. All of the House of Blessing family that's uh, now a part of our family, all of us together in unity, we're going to hang out here next Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. for about an hour before the service. We'll all come up. We'll have some prayer and preparation for the service together, but we'll have pastries and coffee. Just as a reminder, we really want to hang out with you, Allison and I, and just get to know you guys, hang out, share our story, vice versa, hear yours. So that's very important to us. And then next, I want to invite you guys uh, to show up at an event that's coming here soon uh, here at Legacy, and it's going to be hosted by Cairo Nash and Dr. James. And I'm going to invite Dr. James to come up because he's going to tell us about this event, and I'm excited for it, man. Dr. James, take it away. Take that away. Boom. Okay. There we go. Hey, guys. All right. So, <clears throat> cancer. So that's actually what I'm here to talk about is cancer. So uh, the reason I say it like that is kind of a joke, but uh, I like to make fun of what the devil does sometimes. Um, so the reason I say it like that is because the word cancer brings fear with it. I mean, you can just say the word cancer and fear enters the room. By the way, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. But <clears throat> it's like, what, what, what more impactful diagnosis or word could you hear from your doctor where everything changes? Right, where your whole life is thrown into chaos, your ideas of, about the future, about your family, about what's important to you, everything changes right, when you get that diagnosis. And it's because uh, the enemy has done such a, a splendid job of associating it with fear, and I want to break that. Okay, So we are doing uh, an event here Saturday, October 15th from 9 a.m. to noon, so it's in the morning. Child care is provided. Um, but we are doing the Cancer Killers Workshop, Getting to the Cause. That's what this is about. Everybody got one of these on your seat? Can you hold it up for me? I want to see. Everybody got one? All right. I'm starting to see those, I think, through the lights. Okay. So I want to tell you about the picture on the front. So look at the picture here. On the left side, we've got a trash heap, right? Bunch of junk. It's a dump, right? On the other side, we have this nice green meadow. The question is this, where do the rats live? live in the dump, right? So disease goes to an unhealthy body, right? Whereas if you're pursuing life and what can make you the healthiest you can possibly be, disease just doesn't show up. Now, if we take that trash heap and we burn it and we cut out all the rats and we poison the rats, what's going to come back? Rats, because it's still a dump, right? It's still a, a heap of trash, right? On the other hand, you probably can't convince rats to go to that green meadow. There's nothing for them to do there. You understand? So the parallel in health is that when your body is healthy and you are living according to the principles that God put in place for you to be healthy, then disease does not follow you, right? And this is absolutely true of cancer. Um, I'm going to be addressing this on a, a very um, specific level as far as what you guys can start to do every single day to make sure you never get cancer, to make sure you understand what causes it and are addressing those causes now so that you're preventing it from ever happening, okay? So that uh, registration website is here on the back. Uh, it's $10 to attend, so very, uh, very accessible. If you want the book along with it, there is a book written by uh, Dr. Charles Majors. He had stage four brain cancer, uh, four massive uh, metastatic tumors in his head. I wind up, wound up uh, reversing all of it naturally, no chemo, no radiation, no surgery. Amazing. Uh, using the principles that, that God has shown and what I teach my patients every single day. So if you want that book along with it, then your uh, entrance is $25, okay? The book by itself is $25, so then you're getting admission for free. So that's the deal there. Um, so take this, put it on your calendar. There's a website. I need you to register because I need to know um, headcount for how many people are coming. Um, but yes, that's amazing. 
So something completely different. Um, I, I am a chiropractor, and as such, um, I carry healing anointing, specifically for spines. And this morning, um, at, at my regular church service, I go to the local church, um, somebody came up and, and dragged me into a, a prayer of somebody who had had chronic neck pain for a, a long, long time, and they got healed, uh, which was amazing. And I was like, yeah, yay, Jesus. And then... Philip was the first person I talked to when I came in this afternoon, and immediately he told me about neck pain. So I think there is a, an atmosphere here for necks to be healed. Um, so we're just going to go ahead and call that out. Does anybody have neck pain? We got a couple people. Hands up. Man, that's a lot of you. Goodness. Yeah, everybody stand up. And if you're around them and you're a safe person, would you, uh, would you lay your hands on them, preferably on their neck? Awesome. So Jesus, we just invite your presence to come even stronger right now, God. Holy Spirit, ask that you would just flood this place with your power. And God, we just speak to every cause of neck pain right now, whether it's a pulled muscle, whether it's a misalignment in the spine, whether it's a disc, whether it's arthritis, it doesn't matter. We just pray that it would come into alignment with the kingdom of heaven right now in the name of Jesus. So Father, just release your power over every single person here today. God, release your power over all these that are standing up. God, and we just speak release from that pain right now. We just speak a, a relaxation and peace to those muscles. God, we speak realignment of the spine. Jesus, I ask that you would do my job way better than I can. God, that you would just align the spine, that you would put the proper curvature in, that you would take stress off of the joints, that you would take stress off of the ligaments and the muscles and the discs. And Father, I just speak complete healing, complete restoration now in the name of Jesus. Yes. Okay. So if that was you, start moving around. See if you can tell a difference. Oh, no, I'm going to wait to see what happened because I believe that he's actually healing. <laughs> okay, so if you, if you notice a difference, raise your hand. One, two, three, four. Okay, so we got a couple people. So, Jesus, we just thank you for the ones that you're touching already and ask that you would do more. So, Holy Spirit, just come more right now in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we receive your healing. We receive your life, and we know that you created them to be healthy. Jesus, there are no sore necks. There's no cricks in the necks in heaven. So we say there shouldn't be on earth either. In Jesus' name, we release healing. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. James, can we just give a big round of applause for Dr. James? Man, seriously. I, I, think, I think Dr. James is, is just as good of a minister as he is a chiropractor. I really do believe that. I think he has a, you know, a gift to teach and preach, and I think you guys should come to the Cancer Killers workshop and hear him preach. So that's, that's, my, that's my final thoughts on that. Uh, Dr. James, I really do think, man, that God has anointed you, uh, not just as a doctor, man, but as a preacher. And is it, is it okay if I just give you a word right now? Is that cool? Awesome, man. So I just, I feel, I was reminded of Luke, the physician, you know, because Luke was a physician. He was one of the authors of the New Testament, and he followed Jesus so closely that he got to see some of the most insane miracles of anybody who's ever walked the face of the earth, and I feel like that's the same anointing that rests upon your life, man, that you're going to see crazy, insane miracles that are going to be recorded in the history books that people are going to read about beyond 100 years from now. Because of how, how close you walk with Jesus, because of the intimacy that you have with the Lord, and I, I feel like God's going to use your doctor's office, um, not just as an office, but also as a prayer room. I just see professionals meeting there before breakfast and coming together in intercession and in prayer time and brotherhood and people praying for one another. It's almost like God's going to use your doctor's office as a house church, and um, I don't know if any of that's on, but that's just what I'm seeing, man. And uh, I feel like God's going to use you to lead business professionals as a pastor in the marketplace. And you're going to be like Luke, and you're going to see insane, radical, crazy miracles by walking with the Lord. And they're going to go down in history in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, just say amen. 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 Come on. I like Dr. James. You know, it's one thing to love your brother in Christ, but it's another thing to like somebody. Right? I like Dr. James. I think he's nice, and I think we need more nice Christians. Hello. That's the first point of my message. So if you're taking notes, just write down, be nice. Number one, be nice, okay? So that's the first note. Um, 
Seriously, man, I, I, I honest, I'm passionate about it, man. Fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Amen. Hallelujah. Didn't get enough amens on that. But there's kindness, right? It means to be nice, not crabby, not mean, not stuck up, not arrogant. Man, it's really baseline, guys. So um, I love my amen corner over here. Love y'all. I feel so good when I speak. Uh, I got another friend I want to say hi. I want him to say hi to you. Um, man, I, feel, I used to babysit you, bro. We go way back, man. How many of you, you, dude, don't tell him. Don't tell him. Just come up here and say hi real quick, Alex. I, I want you guys to meet Alex Suber. You guys have heard me talk about his father, Jonathan Suber. And man, I've known this kid since he was much shorter than me. And I just want him to say hi. Tell us what you're doing, man. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. What's up, Legacy? How are you doing this afternoon, this hot afternoon that is the worst day to wear a leather jacket to church? But, uh, but yeah, man, this is amazing. I just, I love you, man. We used to shop for Air Force Ones and grills at Highland Mall in Austin. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know the suburban. No, I won't go there. All right, we, we, won't, we won't go there. Yeah, we, we won't go there. But hey, I just want to say thank you for letting me come hang out today. Um, my name is Alex Huber. I think my, some of you have maybe heard uh, Pastor Lyle talk about my dad, or maybe he's been here once or twice. But um, we're in an awesome new season where we are launching a new church in Austin, Texas, in the North Austin area. So yeah, so we're really excited about that. Um, Oasis Church in, uh, in Round Rock, Texas. So we're going to be starting our Sunday morning services just here in about three weeks on October 6th. 16th. Um, right now, they're setting up for our Sunday night services. We're actually meeting in a coffee shop. A coffee shop approached us and said, hey, you can have our space as much as you want on Sunday nights. Um, just pay a barista, and you guys can have service there. So we've been having services and just seeing amazing things, seeing lives changed. Um, so yeah, we're really excited about it. We're excited about a new church in the Austin area. About 91% of people in Austin don't go to church on Sunday. Um, it's a very post-modern, um, post-secular, whatever you want to say, just people don't care about God. They don't see how it's relevant to their lives. Um, but we truly believe in the power of God. And I know you all believe in the power of God. And uh, we truly believe that if we can get people in an atmosphere where, um, sure, we can talk to them, we can love them, but where they can truly experience Jesus, they can experience the life change that comes with the message of the gospel and his presence that, uh, that we can see amazing things happen in that city. So I'm excited to see amazing things happening in Nashville and uh, ready to just take some of that back to Austin. So, yeah. Will you guys just stretch your hand out to Alex? Let's pray for him. Are you 23? 22. 22. Yeah. So when do you turn 23? November 10th. November 10th. Dude, I just, I really felt like over your 23rd year, man, I heard Michael Jordan. I saw you wearing a Michael yeah. Jordan jersey for number Jordan 23, year. man. Yeah. And I just feel like that the Lord says this is your rookie season, and you are going to be the MVP, most valuable player in the rookie season, man. And in this, in this next generation of young leaders that are coming up, I just see you, man, just really shining, and I feel like the Lord just says, buckle up, Alex, because you're not even going to scratch the surface of all that I'm going to do, although 23 is going to be the most profound, prophetic, amazing, and powerful year that you've ever experienced in your entire life. Um, you know, I think that you saw some awesome, awesome, awesome stuff with your dad. I know that you did, but once more, I just feel like the Lord's saying, buckle up, man, because the best is yet to come. You haven't even seen anything yet, and what you've seen God, through, God do through your father, uh, God's just going to double that anointing upon on you in the same way that Elisha received a double portion of the mantle of Elijah. And uh, I just want to say, man, just be fearless because God's going to give you words of knowledge in your services. And it's going to be so practical to some of these new age people. But as he gives you these words of knowledge, when they come in, you're going to know what ails them, what, what's going on in their life, where they have yeah. pain in their body. And you're just going to call it out. It's not even going to be flashy. It's not going to yeah, be yeah. shiny. It's not yeah, even going to yeah. be Pentecostal. But it's just going to be, you know, normal. And, and people yeah. are going to get healed when they come to the service. And um, man, I feel like you guys are going to have this uh, anointing to draw people supernaturally that it's not by your marketing. It's not by your marketing. It's just the spiritual realm of yeah. God that's going to draw people into your service. Right. I see people coming in. They'll be wearing like crystals and like, you know, they'll be, oh, sorry, bro. <laughs> sorry. Um, and just, you know, have all these tattoos. Yeah. And I feel like they're going to they're gonna come in not knowing who called them, not knowing that it was Jesus, yeah. but knowing that it was the Holy Spirit, yeah. knowing that it was a great spirit. And uh, they're going to come in and be transformed, man. And uh, right now, God's raising up young leaders to yeah. release a yeah. brand new Jesus people movement. Yeah. And so I just want to declare that you are one of the young leaders that will lead in this next generation for the Jesus people movement. You're a forthcoming father in the city of Austin. And although you're in a son and, a, you know, you're a son, 
and, and you're growing in that and you're growing in your preaching and your teaching and your pastoring and your leading, leading uh, God's just raising you up as a father man in the city of Austin, man. So I just, I, I just is it 512, the area five code? One two, yeah. I, I just heard this rhyme, man. The 512 belongs to you. In Jesus' name. God bless you, man. Let's bless Alex, man. Love you, bro. Love you, man. The 512 belongs to you. Are y'all bored? I feel like y'all are being too quiet tonight. Are y'all tired? My wife's a little tired, but she's allowed to be. Nobody else say yes. She's nine months pregnant. So somebody lost the iPhone. It's Teal's. Okay. All right. I was like, whose is this? There you go. Oh, I didn't see that. Sorry. I just saw the Instagram notifications. You are popular. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag blessed. So, um, man, guys, I, I'm really excited about to speak to you guys tonight uh, because we're actually continuing 21 days of devotion here at Legacy Nashville. If you were not here last week, could I encourage you to download the podcast, please? Everybody just say, I'm going to do that. I want to encourage you to download the podcast, please. I really do feel that in the same way the football season got kicked off in the natural, God kicked off a new season for us in the spiritual. For those of you guys who believe that, say amen. amen. I believe that with all of my heart. And I believe that it really is harvest time. It's not just the beautiful leaves. It really is harvest time. You're a farmer. I... I know you got a good amen for me, right? It really is harvest time, man. It really is harvest time, you guys. I really believe it with all my heart. I think we're going to see just the the initial stages of a renewal that's going to hit our nation. Are you you guys okay if we just dream big? Where did dreaming small ever get you, right? But I really do believe with all my heart, man, that we're on the cusp of a, of a spiritual renewal in our nation. And um, I believe that with all my heart. And so if there's a spiritual renewal that's going to be released and it's going to raise up new Christians, how many of you guys know that we need some leaders, some disciples to be raised up along with all these saved people who are going to come into the church? We don't have the net that's big enough to catch them yet. How many of you guys know we need a leadership? We need a new leadership to to rise up, to take its place, and to give their lives for the gospel to disciple, to mother, to father, and to pour into this next generation that's coming up. How many of you guys want to be a part of that tribe? I do. I I do. Personally, I, I want you to know that I believe with all my heart that God has not called you to be an anointed bench warmer but that you are a discipler, you're a mom and you're a dad, you're a big brother, you're a big sister, you're an auntie, you're an uncle, and you have a responsibility to fulfill the Great Commission if Jesus Christ has saved your life. Am I going to get into trouble today? Because I'm already swinging for the fences, and I'm telling you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm not even there yet. I'm not even close to turning the oven on to preheat. So... But we don't have all the time. I got a little bit of time. If you're here for the first time, sorry, this is the first message you're going to hear because I I, I really, really want to be transparent. I want to be vulnerable. But I, I, and and in saying that, that doesn't mean I'm going to cry. I'm just going to be real and I'm going to be raw with where my energy level is right now because I'm turned up. So, you guys all right? Man, I, I went to a conference this weekend. I was preaching in Springfield, Missouri. Man, about 1,200 people there. I, I, man, I saw people so hungry for God. It just, it wrecked my heart, man. Kids, little kids, ages five and six years old, were sprinting to the front, shaking under the power of God. They were being invited onto the platform to receive prayer, and they couldn't even make it up the stairs. They were coming up, and they were, like, literally trembling under the power of the Spirit of God, and they were falling on their faces in tears, over here, one after the other, one after the other. They were trying to make it up. People were just, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. People were just falling on the steps. Just little kids, 11, 12, 13, 5, 6. I, that's, a, that's phenomenal. You know, when, when little kids are getting touched, they're not even being prompted. The Holy Spirit is just moving on them. 
Man, you cannot talk a kid out of an encounter. They know when they've been touched by Jesus, man. And they, it was amazing. I, I, I enjoyed seeing that. And, and I, I'm, just, I'm just fired up. I'll just be honest with you guys. I'm fired up. We're doing this 21 days of devotion. We're consecrating ourselves. We're meeting here on Wednesday night. If you can come out, come out on Wednesday night. Uh, we're gonna be here praying, all right? From six to 9 p.m. You don't have to come for the whole time. It's a, it's a soak and go, all right? It's like a drive-through car wash. Just get in here, get in the presence of God, get filled up, intercede with us, worship with us. There'll be a live band. You can come in and you can go as you want. Um, you know, I'm sure there'll be a, a remnant of crazies that'll be here the whole time, you know. But uh, man, so come pray with us. Come pray with us. Um, tonight, man, I, I really want to talk about that remnant of crazies. I, I want to give you guys a message tonight uh, on the Nazarites, all right? So for those of you guys who've heard a message on the Nazarites before, the preheat just went on. I know, I know that it did. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure exactly what denomination you grew up in. We're an interdenominational church, and we have people from all backgrounds, Baptist, Presbyterian, Baptocostal. You know, that's where you grew up, didn't know what you were, but you had a, you know, power for the word and power in the spirit. I like those people. And uh, that wasn't me, man. I grew up, I grew up holiness Pentecostal. And so if, you ever, if you've ever been to a Holiness Pentecostal church, you can say it with me, those people are strange, <laughs> right? You know, it's that, they're, they're strange. And um, for me, growing up there, demonstrative worship was never an issue. You always got that every Sunday. And passion never seemed to be a problem. That's just the way it was. If you were not into the service, I can tell you right now, you were gonna get into the service when Sister Nellie came off the second row, came, got you in the back row and brought you by the ear down to the altar, laid hands on you with about five or six other praying women and you prayed through. And if you don't know what praying through is, that means you just sit there and get prayer and you pray until finally you feel the spirit and you start worshiping. That's what the old timers would tell you. Say, man, I'm having these problems. They say, you need to pray through. That's a key. That's a major key. Man, my pastor, y'all, he used to run the pews when he preached. You ever seen that happen before? People would part like the Red Sea. I mean, he would run the back of the pews. Like that. I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. So for me, like when I got saved, guys, I'll be honest with you. What I grew up in, what I grew up seeing, that became my new expectation. I thought that every church was going to be like my little, tiny, holiness Pentecostal church in Madisonville, Kentucky. I thought everybody was going to be radical. I thought everybody was going to be full on for Jesus. I thought everybody was going to pray fast and read the Bible. And, you know, about six months into my salvation, I realized that did not seem to be the normal Christian state of the day. I got a little disappointed. And for me, guys, when I got saved, I just went pedal to the metal for Jesus. I thought everybody was going to be like, uh, you know, what I grew up in. I thought everybody was going to be on fire and be radical. And so I just gave myself permission to go after Jesus with everything in my heart. Some of you guys know this story, but I started reading the Bible chronologically. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to study it. I didn't have any books yet. Hadn't gone to any ministry schools. And I got to Exodus chapter 33, where Moses saw God. And I made that my life's mission statement. I said, God, if I don't get anything else in life, I'm gonna see you. I'm gonna behold your glory in this life. I don't wanna wait until eternity to see God. Anybody else with me? And I adopted a mission statement six months into my salvation. I said, I intend to find out what God might do with one life that's completely laid down to him. It's a decent mission statement, I think. I've still kept on to it 10, 11 years later. And uh, I'd known since I was about 11 years old that I was called to preach the gospel. I'd known that. I'd ran from it for many years. Some of you guys also know that story. Uh, And so when I began preaching, uh, I was terrible at first. Uh, I got some some messages on MP3. I'll have to share them with you one day uh, when I'm not embarrassed by them anymore. But when I started preaching, my dad said, you know, hey, look, I, I I can't give you all you need here. You need to go to a ministry school. He sent me to Austin, Texas. That's where I met Alex. You must have been like 12. Yeah, Yeah, 12 years old. Uh, When we met and I started working for his dad, I became his armor bearer. You guys don't even know what an armor bearer is, do you? The youth of today 
They need to be an armor bearer. I'll tell you what, man, it changed your life. It changed your life, man. Serving people in ministry, that's what I did. And uh, once I arrived there at my new church, man, I met some really, really weird people. I'm telling you guys, some weird people. Uh, I met a prayer team, and they called themselves intercessors. Never heard that term before, intercessors. What's an intercessor, right? They said, well, we're not a prayer team. We're a prayer regiment. I like that. I'm like, okay, y'all are radical. I like you guys. Got a little strange, but I like you. And they said, our prayer regiment is called the Nazarites. That's what they told me. They said, we're the, Naz- they said, we're the Nazarites. And so I prayed with them for a little while, and after a few months, they invited me to officially join their crew. It was like they had to jump me in or something, like it was a gang. I don't know. They pulled me off into this side room. We were huddled away in this little prayer closet, and they just began to pray over me. All of them laid hands on me, and they just poured out a whole vial of oil over my head, and they just inducted me right into their crew. So you're a Nazarite now. And you know what's funny about that is that they did not give me a checklist. They didn't give me a rule book. They didn't give me a, you know, code of conduct or anything like that. There was an unspoken understanding that when you became a Nazarite, you were passionate about two things, purity and power. And you were intolerant of compromise in your life. Scaring anybody yet, Right? And I haven't thought much about that prayer team for a number of years. I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest. Just being honest. I haven't thought much about them. I thought they were weird. Even as I grew up, I enjoyed my time with them and everything. I thought intercession is out of style. Nobody else has thought that? Just me? Okay. Preaching to myself. So I thought intercession is out of style. You know, it's not trendy anymore. Nobody does that stuff anymore. It's not popular anymore. And after all, those guys were a little bit weird. They were a little bit strange. I think they may have been running a little bit too hard after God. I think they may have been religious. (laughs) Right? You know, it's it's just the nature of what happens. You know, when you're passionate, the comfortable, they get on to you for it. Right? And uh, so, you know, I, I I thought a lot about that. And I've been thinking a lot about that in the past few weeks. And I'm realizing now that it's not just that team that I've been thinking about, but it's that season of unwavering devotion and absolute no tolerance for compromise in any capacity in my life. That's what I've been thinking about, you guys. So how many of you guys heard of the Nazarites? You heard, you heard of this before in the Bible. Well, when we study the script, so it's two people, really? Is it, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really asking, I wanna know, because I wanna introduce you to them. So when we study the scriptures, particularly the history of Israel in the Old Testament, we find that there are Nazarites. Everybody say Nazarites. They are almost secretly embedded within seasons of major national change, breakthrough, and transformation for the nation of Israel. And when you read stories about Israel's moral decline, you'll simultaneously see God raising up a prophetic voice on the fringes of society. That's what you'll see happening. And these men and women on the fringes that God promoted to a national level showed up as countercultural change agents in the midst of idolatry and sexual immorality. I'm going for it, guys. The Nazarites were not always recognized in Israel's finest hours, but it was in the darkest moments that we see this tribe of Nazarites start to emerge and appear. How many of you guys think we need a new movement of Nazarites? Nazarites were known for their purity and their power. They were recognized by the entire nation of Israel as the consecrated ones. Their lifestyle and the anointing that they carried shook people out of their complacency and it confronted the religious status quo because of their burning zeal for Yahweh. Anybody excited yet? So we find the first descriptor of the Nazarites in Numbers uh, chapter six. Anybody got a Bible? They can open it to number six. I didn't put that in my iPad. Number six. Oh, I I have an iPhone. 
Look at me. I'm blessed by Apple. Thanks, Steve Jobs. So, um, you heard that right, Johnny. So, let's see here. Numbers, number six. Open it up. If you've got an old school Bible, you can open it up. I'm going to number six. And I'm going to read the first eight verses of number six, all right? So, it says this. And the Lord... Uh, no, I don't want to read the King James um, Version. <laughs> right? I don't want to do that. I don't want to read King James. I want to read something else. Uh, okay, here we go. ESV. Let's read ESV. I like ESV. You guys like ESV? All right, number six, ESV. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, not spake. He spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when either a man or woman makes a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite, everybody say Nazarite. Nazarite. To separate himself, everybody say separate himself. I mean set apart to the Lord. He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar made from wine or strong drink and shall not drink any juice of grapes or eat grapes fresh or dried. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine, not even the seeds or the skins. All the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall touch his head. Until the time is completed for which he separates himself to the Lord, he shall be holy. It's amazing. He shall let the locks of his hair, of his head grow long. Right? It's a Pantene Pro-V commercial waiting to happen. Look at that volume. Verse six, all the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. Wow, okay, guys, it's really escalating here. Not even for his father or for his mother, for brother or sister, if they die, uh, if they die, shall he make himself unclean because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he is holy to the Lord. Everybody say holy. holy. So Jesus, we thank you for your word. We ask you to minister to us and we ask you, God, do not take your Holy Spirit from us because it's all we have. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So historically, just to give you guys a historical definition of what a Nazarite is, a Nazarite was an Israelite that was consecrated to the service of God under vows to abstain from alcohol, to let his hair grow, and to avoid defilement by contact with corp corpses. That's the historical definition of what a Nazarite is, okay? But let me give you guys a different definition. Can I give you guys a spiritual definition? A spiritual definition, a Nazarite is someone set apart. Everybody say set apart. Purified. Everybody say purified. Made to reflect the glory of God. Raised above the norm. And given authority over the nation. I like that job description. Who wants to be a Nazarite? Anybody yet? A few people, okay. It's kind of like asking who wants to be a world changer. You know, I get the opportunity to preach out, be at conferences from time to time. And, and when I do, I might ask that question. I'm, I'm called to commission world changers, you guys. I'm telling you, I'm sorry that's who your pastor is. I'm called to ignite people. All right, so pray in a bigger staff. All right, so you have, you have other people. We'll raise them up, preach nice messages. But I'm gonna ignite you. Okay, all right. Who wants to be a world changer? You know, I ask that question a lot at conferences. And, and, and I got to tell you guys, a majority of the hands in the room, they shoot up. They just, they, me, me, you know. But here's the reality, guys. Many of the people who say that they want to be a world changer, they do not change the world. Not because they cannot, but because they will not count the cost involved in writing history and changing the world. It's not that you cannot. Just erase that from your mind. History is supposed to be different because you are alive. You are a world changer. If you are anointed by the blood of Jesus, if you've been set free, you are a world changer called to make a dent in history. It's not because you cannot. It's simply because we become too comfortable with our Christian convenience. 
And we will not count the cost involved in truly following after Jesus as a New Testament disciple. Consider John the Baptist. How many of you guys like John the Baptist? I love John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a Nazarite. I bet he kind of looked like me a little bit with his long hair. But John, man, he took up residence in the desert. That's where dude's address was. It was just desert. That's where he lived. He fasted all the time. And when he did eat, the Bible tells us that he, he, was, he fed himself a steady diet of wild locust and honey. I don't know how many guys would like to eat that. He was undoubtedly unkept. He sported long hair. And he wore an outfit made of camel's hair, which was ceremonially unclean by the Jews. It's an interesting point. Sound fun? No, not really. But, everybody say, but. but. John the Baptist was the guy that Jesus, oh, Jesus declared to be the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. So all, all this sacrifice he did, being a Nazarite, all these things, living in the desert, that's who the Son of God pointed out and said there's no man greater than John the Baptist. He was the one that was handpicked by God to usher in the unveiling of God's son. He was the one handpicked. He was the one that was chosen. He became a world changer. He was a Nazarite. When John comes onto the scene baptizing, he's not only dunking people in water, which is a small feat, but he is preparing an entire nation to shift and behold the very glory of God in Jesus. Big feet. See, sometimes we do these little things. You know, John's just baptizing one after the other, right? It's, it's a small thing in, in the moment. But his consecration, God saw it. And God chose him, handpicked him to be a world changer, to usher in the very glory of God for an entire nation. We got to start dreaming for nations, guys. We got to start dreaming for cities. We got to start dreaming that because of what we do together as a family before the Lord, that we can set Nashville on its ear, that we can bring your spiritual renewal to Nashville, that there would be a new harvest where thousands upon thousands of people got saved and came into their purpose and realized that they were fashioned for love and depression and oppression got broken off of them and they got healed from their sicknesses and their diseases and they found family in real community and had real relationship for the first time in their life and somebody looked at them and said, you're valuable, Jesus loves you. Does anybody else dream for that? Dude, I'm dreaming for that, man. That's why we're spending these 21 days uh, you know, into devotion, praying and fasting. We got a whole calendar out there. If you want to sign up to fast, we have tons of people who have signed up to fast all 21 days. And, you know, honestly, guys, I feel like we're in a moment of history. And, and Israel, they were in a moment of history when John the Baptist stepped on the scene. But there are certain moments in history where a door is cracked open. It's a spiritual door where, where, where there becomes an opportunity for massive change. There's certain moments in history when that happens. And when these doors are open, when these doors are cracked open, revolutions for good or for evil occur in the vacuum created by those open doors. That's what happens. And in these times, there are key men and women that God handpicks and he calls them to risk everything and to become the hinge of history. This is the Nazarites. God's still raising up Nazarites. They don't look the same. They don't have long hair. They might have tattoos and piercings. They don't wear robes. They might wear Air Force Ones. All right? Everybody say Nazarites. Guys, anytime in the Bible when God started to do something afresh, he started to do something, to do something new, he began with people like the Nazarites. He began with the people who were out in the desert. He began with the people who were on the fringes of society. He began with the prophetic voices that were misunderstand, misunderstood, but they were pointing the way. And this is the life of a Nazarite, man. They might be strange. They might dress a little weird. They might have tattoos. But what is most distinguishable about them is not their dress, 
but their willingness to sacrificially pursue the highest levels of personal devotion to Jesus. Don't think I'm strange because I dress this way. Think I'm strange because I I am willing to give everything so that I can touch Jesus, the real Jesus. Let that be why I'm weird. Let that be why I don't fit in. Let that be why, you know, I'm on the fringe. The life of a Nazarite blazes with passion. They push the boundaries of wholehearted love for God, no matter the cost, even if that means giving their own life and spilling their own blood. Even if that means being persecuted, cussed out, spit on, punched in the face, they still push those boundaries. You guys with me? So what does this mean for us? Glad you asked, totally glad you asked. Well, what did it mean for them? People who who became Nazarites, what did it mean for them? What does it mean for you right now? You're sitting in this seat, you're hearing this message, you may think I'm strange, I'm so sorry about that. But what does it mean for you? What does this mean for me? You, You know, you can ask yourself that question. Is this God? Is this message even from God? Ask yourself that question. If he says yes, then what does it mean for you? To become a Nazarite required a vow. You know what we're doing in these 21 days, guys? Taking a vow of consecration. Taking a vow of fasting, of prayer. And that's what it took to become a Nazarite. Took a vow. And the vow, while lengthy in number six, actually boils down to three things, guys. This is what a Nazarite vow boils down to. Three things, all right? No drinking. I'm gonna get in some trouble, ain't I? Hey. No drinking, no cutting of the hair, and no defiling yourself in any way. All right? That's what the three things boil down to. I know that for us today, this sounds just really, really strange, really, really strange. But this is the call of the Nazarite. What it is, guys, it's a call to the fringe. It's, it's a call to be set apart. It's a call to be countercultural. It's a call... To say, I will not invite, I will not entertain the idolatry and the sexual immorality of the prevailing culture of the day. But I'm going to move in an opposite spirit and I'm going to be so sold out to God that it's apparent that I'm different because of the spirit I carry, not just because of the link of my hair. Everybody say the Nazarites. Rather than you know, be blinded by the American dream, which is really the pursuit of material prosperity and popularity. How many Instagram followers do you have? Nazarites give themselves to a completely different dream entirely. You know what they dream of? World change. Nations being lit on fire with revival. Entire cities coming home in a day. People getting healed, a miracle realm in a particular church that when people drive onto the parking lot, that they get healed before anybody even lays hands on them, that people are driving by on Gallatin Road and then all of a sudden they just start to cry and they can't figure out why and they start to repent of their sins because the Holy Spirit gets on them and convicts them of how awesome that they're supposed to be. Guys, can we go for that? Can we start, can, let's, just, let's just pop the bubble of how big we've previously dreamed and just let the Lord in a season of devotion and consecration bring us into bigger dreams. Making impossibilities possible, man. That's what Nazarites do. They bring the church back to its roots. They bring the church back to its primal apostolic heritage. They dream, they long, they hunger so much that they push away the plate because all they want is to manifest God's purpose and God's power in the earth. You know, here, guys, I don't have enough time to explain. I'm probably gonna do this next week, okay? So if this didn't scare you off, come back for week two, all right? But I, I don't have time to explain every single aspect of the Nazarite vow in one session. But I do at least, I, I wanna explain one of the aspects of the Nazarite vow in, in this session, okay? Just a few more minutes. And, and that's gonna be this. He shall drink no wine. That's the, that's the first one. So if you look at Numbers chapter six, verse three, it says, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. 
He shall drink no vinegar made from wine or strong drink and shall not drink any juice of grapes or eat grapes fresh or dried. Now, when we hear passages of scripture like this, they can seem a little bit scary because you hear somebody talking about, hey, don't drink, don't drink. I'm not, I, you know, I'm not trying to step on your toes. I, I'm really not trying to step on your toes. That's not what I'm doing today. What we need to understand here is that within context that the Jews were not teetotalers. You guys with me? Does that make sense? You know what a teetotaler is? Okay. So, all right, my wife doesn't know, so we're going <laughs> to... Like a teetotaler, you know, they're like, absolutely not, under no circumstances, I drink no alcohol ever, 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 ever. You know what I'm saying? That's just not for me, I don't do it. You know, I'm a teetotaler, completely abstinent of alcohol ever. You guys got it? Boom, teetotaler. So the Jews, they were not teetotalers, all right? In moderation, wine was and is a legitimate pleasure. Okay, all right, I'm gonna keep going in, all right? In the same way it is today, because God gave us wine as a symbol of joy and celebration. Oh. Here's the reality. Grapes, raisins, and wine, they were the sweets of the Jewish society. All right? In, in the same way it would be like Jenny's ice cream for us today, right? Hey, come on, that'll preach. And, you know, it's the same thing as candy and ice cream for us, like the grapes, the raisins, right? And so everyone enjoyed these common God-given pleasures. But you know who didn't? The fringe people, the Nazarites, man, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't. Why? Why is that? Why is that? The Nazarites did, you know, they, they, did, they abstained from these things, not because they were bad or inherently sinful. That's, see, don't think that. Don't think that, that to drink wine is a sin. All right? That's not why they abstained from wine. It's, they, they, they didn't abstain from wine because drinking wine was sinful. That's not why they did it. The Nazarites simply denied themselves the legitimate pleasures of this life so that they could more fully experience the supreme pleasures of knowing God. That's the reality of the Nazarite vow. It's not that we become re religious. It's not that we become self-righteous. It's not that we look at, at, at wine or sweets and we say, that's a sin, that's a devil. <laughs> right? That, that's, that ain't the Jesus way, right? They just simply tapped into a higher realm. And this, this explains actually, guys, why John the Baptist could live in the desert, he could live on locusts and wild honey. Because although society would look at John the Baptist and scratch their head thinking, that dude must really be missing out on the pleasures of life. If you were to interview John, John understood that he, in fact, enjoyed the real true pleasures of life, which was knowing God's pleasures. In his presence, there is fullness, everybody say fullness, of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So compare, compare those pleasures to wine. Meh. Ice cream, love it, but whoa, pleasures of God. Sorry, Jenny. Am I helping you? It's not a sin to drink wine and eat fruit. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. I feel like I helped somebody with that right there. These are good and legitimate pleasures. When enjoyed in moderation, God gave them to us for our delight. That's what they're about. So for some to hear, from you know, to hear about abstaining from wine for a season, it sounds like legalism. Oh, you're a teetotaler? You don't drink at all? You don't drink any wine? You're religious. You're religious. That sounds like legalism to me. Sounds like some kind of legalism you're into. Don't get trapped in that. Because to the Nazarite, to not drink during a vow is not miserable legalism. It is passionate love and devotion. It's not religion. 
It's not legalism. It looks like religious to the people, you know, who are comfortable. It looks like legalism to the people who are warming the bench. But to the Nazarite man, it looks like unrestrained passion and love. You know, the complacent tend to call, quote unquote, religious, what the passionate call burning love. The reality of the Nazarite vow is living for a higher pleasure. That's what we're doing, guys, in this 21 days, a devotion and fasting and prayer. It's not that we're denying ourselves from pleasures alone, but we're actually living for a higher pleasure, which is God. You know, what a Nazarite really is above all is the ultimate pleasure seeker. That's what a Nazarite is. Don't think that they're crazy because they look weird or they're a little bit different. Those people are the ultimate pleasure seekers. (laughs) Oh, yes. They're the ultimate pleasure seekers. They just, they know where the depth they know where the real pleasures are at and they've got a hold of them. They've tasted and seen that the Lord is good and they can't taste anything else by comparison because they're just ruined. They're just wrecked for something that's bigger and better. The thing about Nazarites is Nazarites have wisdom. They understand that the most pleasurable place to be is with God himself. That's what, that's what Nazarites understand. They're not just zealous, but they also carry wisdom. Anybody in here, just by a show of hands real quick, do you just feel that in your gut right now? You're like, just lift your hand if you feel that. You're like, whoom. Why do you feel that? It's not because you're hungry for God. It's because God's hungry for you. Coming to get you. Dude, he is hotly pursuing you tonight. That's why you're feeling that. Oh, what is that? That's God coming after you. It's not you being hungry for God. Oh, wow, I'm hungry all this. No, 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 that's God. He's in hot pursuit of your heart. And he wants all of you. He's not satisfied with a little bit of you. He wants the whole thing, man. See, the truth is, guys, a Nazarite is not something that pursues, not someone that pursues God, but that surrenders to God's pursuit of him. I said, God, I give up. Woo! You've been pursuing me, God. I've been going to church service after church service. There's been a little bit here, a little bit there. I've been working on my devotion. I've been getting up early in the morning, having my coffee, reading the Bible. But the truth is, it's not just about you going after God. It's about God coming after you. And that's what you've been sensing. That's what you've been feeling. It's not just your pursuit of God, but it's God's pursuit of you. And it's been getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger because some of you guys were sent here, not by a friend, not by a person. You're sent here by Yahweh because it's time to reconsecrate yourselves. It's time for some of us in here to say, I'll take a, I'll take a Nazarite vow. You know, I'll do that for the next 21 days. I mean, what can it hurt? to do that for the next 21 days until we launch Sunday morning services to say, hey, I'm gonna abstain from the pleasures of this world. Why? Because I've understood that there's pleasures in the kingdom that are better. Are you guys with me? So for all of you guys who just, you lifted your hand, you're like, dude, that's me, and you feel it right now. I just want you to stand up real quick. Just stand up super quick. It doesn't need to be everybody. Don't feel bad if you're not standing up. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Just stand up if you're feeling it. Here's what you guys need to know that are standing up, okay? If you're feeling called to make that vow, if you're feeling called to engage in this for a season, know this, it's not about striving for more of God because all of who he is is already yours. It's already yours. Know all the more that no one, nobody, not me, not God, no, we're not trying to impose sacrifices on you. He does not love you more or less if you fast and pray and abstain from alcohol. The reason why we're able to do this 
is only because of God's love that's at work within us. This time of consecration is not our labor, but his. When you're weak, he is strong. This isn't just you doing something, okay, to try to prove that you're spiritual. This is God working through you. This is you surrendering. This is you yielding yourself to God's hot pursuit of your life and giving in and and, and giving up and saying, okay, God, you wanted it. You died for it. You spilled your blood for it. You've been chasing me. You've been coming after me. Here I am, Lord. I'm not holding anything back from you. I'm inviting you to fill up every single corridor of my heart. All that I am, Lord, I invite the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And guys, this is where we have to start. You know, the thing is, is that Jesus, he took a Nazarite vow. Jesus was thrust by the spirit of God into the desert where he fasted 40 days. Jesus took a Nazarite vow. But you know what happened first? Jesus was baptized and the father spoke over him. He said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And see, guys, when we when we start talking about consecration, we start talking about taking vows. We start talking about fasting. We start talking about praying for three hours on Wednesday. We have to start somewhere. And that is with the security of love. That long before you do anything for God, he already loves you. Long before Jesus ever went out into the desert and fasted for 40 days, the father already said he was proud of him. Long before he worked a miracle or raised the dead or opened up blind eyes, the father said, so proud of you. So whether you're sitting or standing, the Father's proud of you. He loves you. Nothing that you can do for the next 21 days changes the way God feels about you. This isn't about you going after God harder. This is about surrendering to how hard God's been going after you and saying, God, I give up. I don't want to run from you anymore. I've been numbing myself with the pleasures of life. I've been been running from you with the pleasures of this world. I just want to give up and let you have your way in me. So... I want to read one more verse of scripture and then we're going to pray. Psalm 50 and verse 5 says this. Gather to me my consecrated ones who made a vow to me by sacrifice. That's what God's doing here tonight, guys. He's gathering consecrated ones. Here's the reality. The kingdom of God does not only allow you to be intense spiritually, but the fullness of your destiny demands it. You guys get that? The kingdom of heaven doesn't just allow your spiritual intensity, but your destiny actually demands it. Your destiny actually demands that you get intense about it. Come on, man. Come on. So if you're standing, I just want to invite you, just lift your hands. You know, it doesn't have to be all the way up once you go for it, but God's going to fall on you right now. God's going to fall on you right now. The Holy Spirit, just close your eyes. Just keep your head up, but close your eyes. God's going to fall on you right now. Come on, Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you guys are just getting some warmth on the top of your chest. That's the Holy Spirit. More. Double that, God. Double that, Holy Spirit. Double that, Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let God in. Just let God in. Just surrender to God. Just surrender to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And if you have your hands lifted and you, and you would like, I just want to invite you, just come to the front. If you're feeling drawn, just come to the front real quick. We're going to do an altar call real quick. We never do altar calls. We're going to do one tonight. Come on. I want to have these Nazarites. Come on up. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. We're consecrating ourselves tonight with a vow before the Lord. And we're saying, Lord, all we have is yours. We're not holding back anymore. We, we may have came to this service tonight holding a few things back, but tonight we're not going to hold anything back anymore, God. We're going to let you have all of us. We're going to surrender to you completely, God. Thank you, Lord. Michael, would you mind to come up, bro? I just want to sing one chorus all together. You can help me. But let's just start with this, man, because I think it's so beautiful when we start singing it out to the Lord, actually, actually singing into one another's spirits. Just start that old hymn, you know. Hallelujah. I can't sing well, but you guys help me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
guys in the Jesus people movement when they would come together in house to house and meet as in community break bread and worship together you know they used to sing this song for hours they just sing this song over and over and over the worship leaders they were so newly saved they didn't even know any worship songs yet so they just sang this for hours and hours and hours and spontaneously the Holy Spirit would just hit people the love of God would just land on people Because what would happen is we'd stop leading worship and heaven just take over and lead worship. Yeah, just grab your neighbor by the hand real quick. We're going to pray together. So, Father, right now, we just release blessing. (laughs) Yeah. Empower over one another from the Holy Spirit. We just declare that what's been received tonight, the seed that's been deposited, it goes into good soil. It's going to bear a hundredfold fruit not just for ourselves, but for our families. Yeah, God, we call, we call home in this season. We call home our lost brothers and sisters. We call home, God, our lost brothers and sisters. Some of you guys in here, you have family members that, you know, they're far from the faith right now. They've turned their heart away from God. And and so right now, just in this season, man, I just feel like, you know, the prodigals are coming home, man. The prodigals are coming home. And so we just declare that in Jesus' name, that the prodigals are coming home, Lord, that you're bringing them into the fold again, that you're bringing them home again, you're bringing them back into the house of the Lord. Everybody that's been a part of Heritage, House of Blessing, over years and years and years, God, that have fallen away, Lord, we call them back home, Lord. We call them back to their rightful place in the family. We say that you have a destiny, you have a purpose, you have an assignment from the Lord. We call you back into family in Jesus' name, Lord. We thank you, God, for the work that you're doing here. We thank you for what you're doing, God. Forge us together as a family. Let it not just be two churches that, you know, decided to merge one Sunday, but God, let us truly just be one family. And, you you know, as you speak over people who get married, God, that that what God uh, brings together, let no man uh, separate, Lord. And so we just declare, God, that that's what you've done. There's been a divine marriage. It's not two families, but it's one. It's one body, God. It's about the family, all one, God. We're all one together, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Father, for these Nazarites, Lord. Thank you for these Nazarites, God. Thank you for this radical tribe, God. Thank you for these radical warriors. Thank you for these shakaraba. Thank you for these radical warriors, Lord. Thank you for these radical ones. Thank you for these radical warriors, Lord. Thank you, God. I just give you permission to stay here and I give you permission to pick up your kids if you need to but I want to invite the ministry team to just start walking around laying hands on people I really felt like this group is a group of dreamers and that you have things on your heart that you've kind of been mundane in you haven't acted on and I feel like today is the day that you kind of just bring that forward and you tell the Lord I'm ready to be radical about the thing that you placed in my heart I feel like some of you that are sitting know that you're supposed to be up here. And so I give you permission to come forward because I feel like tonight's the night that if you haven't downloaded from the Lord what your destiny is, that this is the time. And that remaining in your seat might be um, you letting the Lord know that that you're a little afraid of that destiny. And I feel like the Lord says, that's okay because he's gonna do it with you.
that you're not alone. So, um, ministry team, if you could start walking around and putting hands on people and just speak life. Um, if you guys could just start speaking life into yourselves and your dreams, maybe speak out those things that you know you've been called to. Whether it's a people group or it's into successful marriages or if it's into rescuing kids from sex trafficking or if it's into children's ministry and watching kids get set free. Whatever it is, I feel like now is a time for you to get radical about those things. For you to get radical about people in this city getting set free. For you to start to walk in bravery and before you walk into the grocery store, tonight, tomorrow, you say, Lord, I want an encounter. I want to know that, that every place I go and every building I walk into, someone is waiting for me because you have divinely appointed me for a moment like this. And we ask, Lord, together for incredible bravery to look foolish in the eyes of the world. you guys do we have the is it yeah we're gonna put the priestly blessing up you awesome okay let's repeat this together stay in the place you're at but let's just bless it ourselves and each other okay the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace Lord, we thank you for this moment. We pray that we would walk away tonight filled with boldness. That we would be radicals, God. Radicals for your purpose and the specific purpose over our lives, Lord. And if we haven't downloaded that yet, may tonight be the night that we get a glimpse of what it is you've called us to do. That no other person was made for that. That we were made for that. Thank you, Lord, for equipping us and that we're not alone, Jesus. Would you set us on fire for all the things that are ahead? Even tonight, we pray for encounters tonight. Thank you, Lord. Feel free to stay right where you're at. Yeah, so that's your formal dismissal, guys. If you would like to go, uh, you're more than free to go. If you'd like to stay in the altar, we'll have ministry team people praying for you. We love you guys. We bless you guys. We get to do this again on Wednesday. God is so faithful. If you need to go pick up your kids.